villagers, get ready. Here's Miss T with a word designed with you in mind. You're back where it's at, and it's time to chat on the show designed with you in mind. This is Tanisha Baker, and I'm excited to host another edition of What You Shouldn't Be Missing. Thanks for tuning in to Talking With T. It's May 20th, and if today is your birthday, you share it with your birthday mates, late funny actor Scatman Crothers, and timeless pop singer Cher, as well as rapper Busta Rhymes. Today on the national calendar is National Be a Millionaire Day, Pick Strawberries Day, and National Rescue Dog Day. On this date in history in 1961, the Freedom Riders were attacked by a mob in Montgomery, Alabama, and Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy ordered 400 U.S. Marshals to restore order. The theme this month is make a move in May. You can't sit back and wait for things to happen. You have to make them happen. Most plans have no value until you put some energy into turning those plans into action. Let today be the day that you make your move. Move toward your dreams, your potential, your value, and your goals. Let's turn our attention to our Monday Minute Quick Bits. We'll start with some happy highlights. During the graduation season, touching stories always emerge, just like this next one, where a husband, wife, and dad all graduate on the same day from the same university. Shamir Taylor, a retired U.S. Army combat veteran, his wife, Naima, a breast cancer survivor and mother of their two children, as well as Shamir's father, Raymond Richardson, a retired U.S. Army Master Sergeant and soon-to-be retired federal worker, all graduated from University of Maryland's University College this past Saturday. Another happy highlight that received a lot of attention is about a missing three-year-old who was found by a neighbor who went the extra mile to feed and clothe the boy. The gentleman, who was just called Reese in the news story, says that he was leaving his apartment when he came across the toddler only wearing a shirt. He washed him dressed him, put socks on him, and fed him. The toddler had gotten hungry during the time they were going to different apartments, trying to find his home, and so the police arrived, returned the child safely home. Let me also add that the child was able to show them how he had unlocked the apartment door on his own. Children are very observant, so we have to take extra precautions with our little ones. Congratulations to Trey Songs on being a new dad as he welcomed his baby son, Noah, this past Thursday. He says they are blessed and overjoyed. I read that Queen Latifah and Will Smith are working together on a contemporary musical remake of Romeo and Juliet for Netflix. Also in the news, Trayvon Martin's mother, Sabrina Fulton, is running to become a Miami-Dade County commissioner. Don't touch that dial. I'll be back in a while. You're tuned in to Talking With T. Just say you do. 
report has sparked some controversy. A new adversity score assigned by the College Board on the SAT exam will reportedly reflect students' family income, environment, and educational differences in an effort to level the playing field in the highly competitive college admissions process. The Wall Street Journal reported on Thursday that 50 schools used the new indicator as a part of a beta test last year and the College Board plans to bring more than 150 schools into the fold this fall. Now, when I share this story on social media, here are some of the responses. Sounds like another opportunity to exclude and stereotype certain groups. Also, so now students will get, quote, poor points when they take the SAT. Our young people have proved that they can compete favorably in academics when they have teachers who work with them, support systems at home and church, and the internal drive to succeed. And another reader stated, this is not leveling the playing field, it's creating more disparity. Stop creating the test one-sided. We talk about differentiating in the classroom, but we have these standardized tests. Let alone some students just don't test well, and that has nothing to do with these factors at all. It makes no sense. And finally, our children can master these tests as is. We don't need your sympathy. Another issue of controversy is the school voucher bill. The whole idea of a school voucher system is controversial enough because many people feel that it takes dollars from public schools instead of making public schools better. Others feel that parents should have the opportunity to send their child to a good school if public schools are failing them. There are some things to keep in mind. Knoxville, Tennessee has opted out of the program, and most often the vouchers would not provide the full cost of tuition at most private schools. So who will actually benefit from these vouchers? I'll just leave that right there. I read a few articles on the topic, and one in particular grabbed my interest. It stated that 
lawmakers allegedly bought and sold votes for the controversial voucher bill. Now, this debate is hot and heated, and I have to admit that I see some value in opinions on both sides. I personally am an advocate for making sure that all public schools offer an equitable and quality education because all kids from all places deserve the best education possible. So there would be no need for this type of debate in the first place. But that's just me. The next topic we're going to attack today is the gun violence in our community. Now, lately, there has been gunfire, violence and mayhem in my community. There is so much good in East Knoxville. I hate for it to get tainted with this type of activity. It is a difficult conversation but one that needs to be had. I have two contributors to the conversation today. One is Miss Tanika Harper, who loves and works in the community and is founder of the Shore Foundation, an after-school enrichment program. And the other is my own son, Tylen Baker, who shares insights from a kid's, or shall I say, I'm sorry, from a young teen's perspective in a new segment that will come on periodically on the show called Help Me Understand. All right, listeners, lately I've noticed that there has been an abundance of gunfire in the community, particularly the East Knoxville community, and this is a little concerning to me. And I say little, actually a lot concerning to me. And as we read and discuss these stories on social media, I've learned that other community members are concerned as well. And so on today's show, I've invited Tanika Harper to join in the conversation and talk with T about her insights and her views on the gunfire, the shootings, the violence in our community. So first of all, Ms. Tanika, welcome to Talking with T. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. I am very excited to be here today. Great. So one of the reasons I asked you to come on is I noticed on social media an incident you shared, and you shared your concern about the recent shootings and at first I thought it was just me you know I was like maybe Mm -hmm. I just think it's a lot of shootings but maybe not maybe it's not just me so (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) tell me tell me your viewpoints and share with our listeners what your thoughts are about this and the incident that you shared on social media absolutely and I guess before I start talking about the incident um in particular I want to say that it was very hard for me to share that post um, on Facebook mm-hmm. about the violence in East Knoxville. One, because I try not to share anything negative about right. our East Knoxville community because there's a lot of that. And I feel like I try not to post or reshare anything that sheds a negative light on right. East Knoxville. Right, you don't want to contribute to don't want to contribute to I that. Under- I understand. You know? And um, because there is a lot of good that comes out of East Knoxville, but for me, it has gotten to the point where I can't ignore it. And mm-hmm. if those of us in the community are not talking about it um, and trying to do something positive, then um, somebody else is going to try to rewrite our story. And so it was very hard. But, yeah, so at Shora, Shora is, of course, a, a nonprofit that I founded and I'm CEO of where we serve kids Monday through Friday after school. And... Throughout the school year, there have been occasional um, shootings in the area that, you know, that we have heard or that maybe I have heard before the kids arrived. But okay, I'm sorry. Let me pause you right there mm-hmm. because let's go back. Shora is an after-school care program. 
But yes. you also have an academic component. You have several components, we and I want to give you an opportunity to talk about that. But the reason I wanted to pause you is because if you're saying that you're hearing this gunfire, your hours of operation are what? Our hours of operation are from 2 to 6.30. All right, we are so 2 p.m. to 6.30. Yes, 2 p.m. to 6.30, and we are hearing these gunshots at 3.30 to 4 p.m., 3.30 to 4 p.m. last week daily, every day so last I, week. So this isn't the late night, because, you know, back in the day, you come in at a certain hour, and you can mm-hmm. kind of avoid some of these things, but we're talking midday, you know, when the community is out and about, the hustle and bustle of the day is going on, and all of a sudden you're hearing this gunfire. Hearing the gunfire in areas, this is the prime time, Tanisha, where kids Mm -hmm. are walking home from school. Right. This is the prime time when our kids get to the program, and so just to kind of go through our program just for a snippet, when the kids get to Shora, we pick them up and bring them to the program. Before we go into our academic piece, we give the kids downtime. That means time to run around, to let off some steam, and a lot of that is done now since the weather has broke outside. So this is the time when we're outside doing something in the garden, they're playing basketball or foursquare, and these gunshots ring out like literally on the next street. And wow. last and last week it wasn't even on it was on our street. One of our parents, thankfully she wasn't hurt, but a parent coming to pick up her grandson got um stuck in the crossfire of this gunfire. Our garden is located on the corner of Selma and Ontario. That's where our garden mm-hmm. is and that's exactly okay. where all the shell casings were. Oh my. Like, I'm not talking about gunshots in the oh. area, like, streets over. I'm talking, like, we're our kids are running literally for their lives to get back into the church. Mm-hmm. The police is right in front of the church. We, we operate out of Logan Temple on Selma. Like, the police is directing traffic for our parents, so we our parents won't mess up the evidence. And that's what our kids are having to see daily now. And it's is 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 hurtful because honestly I don't know you know, you get to a point like what am I supposed to do? Like this is a big job. Right. Literally. You know it's a big job. Um, yeah. It's a big job. And we do have an academic component and I'm proud to say that we are doing great things with kids in the classroom. Mm-hmm. But what people don't realize is some of those kids we can't even talk about reading and writing and so we talk about the trauma that they are faced with every day from having to live in their house and duck down on the floor. They don't know if they're going to live or die. And so some of that we have to face first before we can even talk about let's learn to read today. Some of that we have to deal with the emotional stress that kids in other neighborhoods just don't face. And, like, I feel like sometimes I'm out of my league, honestly, if I can say that. (laughs) Yeah, so I understand because, like you I really want to highlight the positive, and there's a lot of it mm-hmm. in East Knoxville, in our community. And I and I tend to think that even this is a few bad apples, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know what's leading to it. I don't know why there's a recent surge in it. But to have these conversations, and although they're difficult to bring awareness of just how the community is feeling, and one, to let people know it's not everybody. 
and that right. we are, are just as disturbed as anyone would be. And, you know, like you said, the kids experience a certain level of trauma and stress that may not happen in other communities. I feel a certain level of trauma and stress. You know what I'm saying? As yeah. an adult. My nerves on edge, child. I said I'm too old. I'm not able. I cannot be ducking and dodging. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and it's gotten so, to the point where, like, we even have to have safety measures now, like a police to come and say, like, when you hear gunshots, you know, like, this is what you should do. Get down first. When you don't hear them run. I mean, it's sad that we have to have those type of gun violence measures in our mm-hmm. after-school programs. Just, But, you know, it's where we're at now. Well, you know. it is unfortunate. And I'm just hoping that we're starting a conversation that will bring awareness. And hopefully from awareness, we start thinking about strategies. Yeah. You know, because we're mm-hmm. not the only community who face this, t- you know, this type of dilemma. Right. So what are other communities doing? What have been some successful procedures or processes put in place to curb this type of activity? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. maybe, you know, enough people start talking about it, enough people start caring about it, something can be done. Absolutely. And I want to say this to parents um, who are parenting elementary and middle school kids. I know mm-hmm. parents work. And I know they can't know where their kids are, you know, every second of the day. I was a latchkey kid. Both of my parents worked. Didn't get off to 5 or 5.30. Me and my brothers and sisters, we got off the bus. We walked home. And, you know, we were home or with our grandparents um, until they got off work. And I just want to say, parents, know where your kids are because not only is it the gun violence, but I constantly see the grooming of young boys to gangs. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, between between 3.30 and 4.30. I sit every day because I drive the around. The recruitment. I drive mm-hmm. around East Knoxville because I'm picking up kids at that time from Green and Thermal Green and Vine, and I'm hitting all these blocks um, in, in our community. And I'm seeing the, um, yeah, the recruitment. I, I shouldn't maybe not have used the word grooming, but, yes, the recruitment. But it's the same. Our, it's the same day, you know. You know. Yeah, but it's an enticement of grooming all of that. And I'm yes, yeah. and so they are really targeting our kids on these corners and these are kids who are not involved in after school programs, who are not involved in sports activities and so parents are not home. Um and so parents like we have to find outlets for our kids to be in, positive outlets because the streets are claiming our kids and you know I see it every day. I'm very um, good friends with Desiree, who is the principal at Vine. Me and her actually mm-hmm. had a conversation today, and she said, Tanika, I cried, like, the whole month of April almost. She was like, because I'm seeing the same thing. She's like, I didn't want to go into it on social media, you know, because everybody doesn't want to do that. But for those of us who serve these kids in the gun zone, like, we carry it home with us, too. And and I yes. just want to say, you know, parents, we have to do a better job with knowing where our kids are. And whether they want to or not, we have to start plugging them in to positive and safe places. So speaking of that, positive and safe places, let's talk a little bit uh, before our time ends about Shora. And you told us where you're located out of Logan Temple. What's the address? Mm-hmm. It's 2744 Selma Avenue. Okay, all right. And your hours of operation, you said, are um, 3.30 From, mm-hmm. to 6? 3.30 to 6. kids up? We do. So, we pick kids up. 
how do people get in touch with you? So people um, can get in touch through me, through email. Um, so Shora, S-H-O-R-A, foundation at gmail.com, or they can contact me on my cell phone number at 865-208-5254 to learn more information about the program. We serve ages first through eighth grade. No, that was my next question. You said first or third? Uh, first, first through first, eighth grade. First, mm-hmm. first through eighth grade. Now, listen here, listeners. She gave out her cell number for people who are interested in finding out more information of Shore Foundation. We don't want no stalkers, no telemarketers, <laughs> no right. scammers using that number. But if you are interested in finding an option for a safe space, an after-school program for your child, please reach out to Tanika Harper. So I just want to thank you for coming on today and sharing and contributing to this conversation that, as difficult as it is, has to be had. Yes, thank you. It does. It has to be had. And thank you for having me and for anybody out there, too, who just want to get together and just start having these conversations to see, you know, what we can implement or what things we can do to start the conversation. Call me for that, too, because I'm I'm willing to see what I can continue to contribute to, to the community. All right. Well, we appreciate you and thank you. Thank you. My next segment is featuring a conversation with my own son, Tylen Baker. This segment is called Help Me Understand. And today I want his thoughts on the recent notable amount of shootings in our community. So, Tylen, does it concern you when you hear about shootings in our community or near our home? Yes, it does. So, like, help me understand why they have to shoot in our area. Help me understand why they can't hibernate or find a new environment where people like to shoot each other in, like, a new state. <laughs> like a whole state for people that shoot each other? Yeah, because they think it's fun. Now they shooting in broad daylight like that's cool. Like, help me understand why they doing that. Well, those are all good questions I probably don't have good answers for. But we do need to have the conversations, and I'm hoping that we find some strategy to reduce the violence in our area. It can be scary. I do as well. So help me understand what we're going to do to accomplish that goal. All right. Well, listeners, you heard that. The questions have been posed, and we want you to help us understand what we can do as a community to curb the violence in our area. So let me welcome our top investigator, most often instigator, P.I. Pam, to the show as we start with our first story in Trending News, and that is a Mississippi jury has awarded five black strippers a total of more than $3 million after the federal judge found they were subjected to racial discrimination and harassment by management. You can read more details about their accusations and how this case played out on www.talkingwitht.com. But I just want to say a couple of things. Number one, that's a whole lot of money. I didn't know that strippers would be subjected, and I guess it makes sense if you think about the legitimacy of the profession, that they would be subjected to the same issues as others find in the workplace. But that's a rather hefty settlement, Pam. That's a nice settlement. I'm sure that I've been discriminated against and worked in unsafe conditions, not as a stripper, but at other jobs. You think you think it's worth three million dollars? I think think it is. It's a, we need to think of like a shaker. We need to get our evidence together. I bet they won't be stripping anymore. I bet they won't. Is they don't have to. 
Well, we often talk about women getting themselves into a bind over a man in the name of love. It happens often. We're not a stranger to these types of stories. But this particular one, a woman got 15 years in prison for posing as a deputy to try and break her boo out of jail. So she's pled guilty to forgery, being an accomplice to escape, and criminal impersonation after helping her boyfriend escape. And I was sitting there thinking that she's getting ready to serve. Actually, she was given 30 years, and then they decided to cut the sentence in half to 15 years. So she's going to be in jail all this time, and he only has a year left. So he'll be out, and she's going to be in jail 15 years. For trying to be a ride or die. Word to the wise, it's not worth it, because I can't guarantee you when he gets out, he's not going to be thinking twice about her. Mm. Yeah, well, it's, it's some rules to this ride or die stuff. Yeah, this this 15 years, ooh. Mm. I can ride, but I, I need to know where we're going to. <laughs> People are really vicious. I'm going to change the tone a little bit, because this story is a little disturbing. A Chicago woman lured a pregnant 19-year-old, Ochoa Lopez into her home with an offer of baby items. So evidently, um, the girl had posted on social media that she was looking for baby items. This lady said she had some, lured her into her home. Girl gets in there, she strangles her, cuts out the baby, put the victim's body in a large plastic bag and put her in the trash. Now she was charged with first degree murder along with two others because you know she couldn't have done that or pulled it off by herself. The woman pretended that the baby was hers, as evidently she intended to keep him as her own child after her son died last year. When the police got there, this was about three weeks later, do you know the body was still in the garbage? She didn't even think about getting rid of the evidence, and then she had gone to the hospital saying that she had recently given birth like she knew the woman but hadn't seen her in a long time. So all that they needed to prove her wrong was DNA you know, showing that she hadn't given birth to that baby. But she must have been really messed up after her son died to go through all of that. And then I'm trying to figure out how she convinced people to help her. Right. That's the, that's the crazy thing. And I know people do go through um, things like that, and they, they become really psychotic at times. They just want to re- replace the person that they lost. But to cut, uh, I don't think I can't even imagine how they cut the baby out and then just cut the, ba- the body in the trash can for it. Was it three weeks? Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm assuming because it said um, the police and the investigators went back after her. the girl's friend had said she had been conversating with this woman. So they went to see, hey, did she come to the house and questioned her and found out that this woman had this new baby and figured out that it was some strange things going on. And then they discovered the body in the trash. So that's why I said it had just been there for three weeks because... That's how long it took them to figure out that that's where the girl had last been, and they still saw the body in the trash. Right. How about this? Two 13-year-old girls from Harlem were arrested this past weekend for running a group of about 10 to 20 violent robbers that targeted victims in upper Manhattan. These girls are off the chain. 13 years old? I'm thinking about 13-year-olds. That's middle school age. They are running a whole robbery ring, and investigators are still trying to figure out how many incidents they're responsible for. And I'm wondering how they're going to try them, because 13 is pretty young. 
I mean, you just one year into being a teenager and how they were able to control other people and get them to do this. Just imagine what they could have done academic-wise, how smart they was to pull this off, the whole mastermind, the whole whole group. I mean, they had a lot of people that they had, I would say, manipulated into them thinking that what they doing was was good and had them following them. That is just amazing at the thought of a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like an organized crime ring, yes. Right. Well, then there was a story about the Texas policeman who shot a black woman multiple times. And as more details came out this week, it was learned that he actually knew that woman. And it was known that she had some mental health issues. She was schizophrenic. And the way the story went, the police was attempting to arrest the 44-year-old Pamela Turner. He knew she had some outstanding warrants, so he saw her, decided he was going to arrest her. She grabbed his taser and used it on him. And first, let me pause right there to say, maybe he was a little embarrassed. Can you imagine a woman grabbing your taser and using it on you? But the officer then opened fire. And so the question now, I guess, is was it necessary? Was it excessive? She was yelling, I'm pregnant, but she really wasn't. Like I said, she got mental health issues. And the neighbor said that, Again, he knew about these issues. They knew about them. They never felt threatened by them. So this speaks to me to untreated mental illness, and those that suffer from it often have run-ins with the law. And it probably could be avoided if we had more mental facilities to either treat them or provide homes for them. Yeah, I think so, too. Being that he knew her history, even if she was fighting him back and tased him, I don't think he needed to shoot her fast. I don't think he needed to shoot her at all. Right. Get your taser and just tase her back if you have to. That would have calmed her down for a minute until you could handcuff her. Or cough her back up. I'm pretty sure they have the same things we have around here, like mobile crisis. Call them. Why would you you shoot her five times? Point blank. Point blank, that makes no sense. Well... Let's uh, talk about something that's controversial. It has been, but it's coming back in the news because recently there are some new abortion restrictions. The idea of restricting abortions is almost, in my opinion, a reversal of Roe versus Wade. And at that time, for those of you that may be in our younger listening audience, Roe versus Wade legalized abortion in all 50 states. And the most restrictive state right now is Alabama, but Georgia, Ohio, Kentucky, and Mississippi have proposed the heartbeat bill this year, and their bills have been signed into law, which bans abortions as soon as a heartbeat is detected, which can be as early as six weeks. And in some cases, women don't even know they're pregnant at that time. So let me say this. I am not... And, you know, I'm, first of all, I'm not a politician, so I can have my opinions and I don't necessarily have to be politically correct. But I don't necessarily agree with abortions, but I also don't feel like it's my place to judge those situations. That's a very personal decision, and it can happen for a variety of reasons. And I think the problem that a lot of people have with this, whether they're pro-abortion or anti-abortion, is that they even include it in cases of incest and rape. And that that makes it a little more touchy right there. Yeah, that makes it real touchy. 
because you have to think about the situations of that. You know, if you get raped and they basically forcing you to keep a child by your rapist, that that's going to be traumatic enough to have to look at that child knowing that child came from the result of a rape or even incest. You know, and I was reading a article on Twitter today about a 34-year-old um, woman from Florida who said she had her first child when she was 15 by her uncle. And then she ended up having two more kids by her uncle, you know, because her family didn't believe in abortions. And the effect it's had on her because they've been in custody battles ever since um, with the kids, you know, for many, many years. So it's just, it's a, a tough situation. Everybody has their beliefs and everybody's not going to agree. I personally think that it's a woman's decision if she wants to have one. I mean, I've known when I found that I was pregnant, it was way after the six weeks. It wasn't early on. And so even though I chose to have them, what if I didn't or well, the situation was different where I felt like I didn't want to have them. So it's, it's a lot. It's, it's only going to get, um, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. Forcing these people, are right. gonna, it's going to have people to go back to, you know, undercover abortions like they used to do. The dangers, yes. Uh-huh. The dangers of that or going out of town having to get it done. And then they're trying to give doctors life in prison if they perform one. It's, wow. It's crazy. Well, I guess we'll stay on top of the story and see what happens because, like I said, more states seem to want to follow that trend. And we got, what I say, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio, Kentucky, and Mississippi right now. And we'll mm-hmm. see who else jumps on board with that. Um, okay, let's switch tones once again because I'm about to fall into a depression with all these sad stories we've had and serious things going on. We we uh, want to celebrate graduation season. So I've had a couple of things to talk about on the show today in relation to graduation. And as we've been in the throes of this graduation season, it brings to us another new segment that's going to be featured on Talking with T called So This Happened. So what I want you to do, Pam, share with the people the most interesting, funny, or even disturbing things you witnessed at graduation ceremonies in our segment called So This Happened. <laughs> so this happened. You know, the kids always have their, you know, different dances or something they do before they go across the stage. We couldn't do it growing up when we graduated because our principal, Miss Whitehead, said, I swear for God, if y'all do something <laughs> crazy, y'all will not <laughs> get your diploma. And then us not knowing back then that we've already met our, our high school requirements, so we would have, you know, got it eventually anyways. But the funniest thing I've seen was at a graduation, and this guy did the worm across the stage. That just tickled me to death. And then they got the best picture of him in our newspaper. It, it was just hilarious. The worm, like on the ground doing the worm? Yeah, the worm on the ground. With his whole cap and gown on? With his whole cap and gown on. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you what, so this happened, and I, I just want to ask the people, I know, I know how exciting graduation is. I'm excited every year, and I can't even think about when my own child graduates uh, what I might want to do. Notice I said what I might want to do. What I want to do and what I'm going to actually do are two different things, maybe. But if you're going to get these 19-foot balloons, 
maybe, if you don't mind, you can sit towards the back so that other families can see the stage and such. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's really cute and festive to have these large banners and balloons and church fans and all of that. But don't ruin the experience for other people who are trying to enjoy the graduation, right? What do you think about that, Pam? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And another thing I saw was the the people, you know, saving. A guy had posted that. He said, this lady really thought she was about to save five rows, and we wasn't about to sit down. And I remember a video of this woman at a college graduation in Memphis, this older lady, elderly lady, she was like, uh-uh, I'm sitting here. You don't save seats and things like this. But people do it. You know, my son's they graduated. They try. Yeah, they tried, tried to do it. So mm-hmm. I know my son's graduated. We had a couple roles saved. So people was coming in. You know, everybody wants to sit together. You say, meet us in section this, section that. So it, it happens, but I don't know if it should be a limit on how many you can save or, but I mean, people do Maybe it. everybody Maybe. needs to come at the same time. Yeah, they need to section it off where everybody sits at or something. But yeah, but it was it was it was a lot. Would it be too intrusive if I had a bubble machine when my son graduated? I don't even want to imagine what you're gonna do when Talon graduates. <laughs> how, many, how many more years? How many more years we got? Five. Five more years. Mhm. Okay. Five more years for me to think and plan. Think and plan. <laughs> Yeah, so before we leave the topic of graduation, I want to know what you think about black billionaire Robert F. Smith. He has promised to pay off the student debt of any Morehouse graduate from the class of 2019. I had to read that twice. That means every student, whether they took out student loans, old tuition or whatever, he's going to take care of that debt. So they are all graduating debt-free. Is he gonna do any more? Uh, is he? I'm wondering, can he come to TSU in 2020, 2022? <laughs> I'm wondering, what about people who stuck in it now? Can like he go back and grandfather some people in? But I tell you what, as a parent or a student coming out of there, I don't know if I would have been able to contain myself. Now it's one thing to be excited about graduation. But to learn that you're graduating from college with no debt, oh, that's the cause for needing oxygen right there. Yes, I would still be in the floor. They'd probably be cleaning up after graduation. They'd be like, whose mother is that still on the floor? (laughs) I know that's right. Well, our Professor Jay was under the weather this week, and we do miss him and Hope he has a speedy recovery. But that's it for this bit. And as always, I can't wait to hear what the two of you have to say next week. And I can't wait to tell it. And y'all know Jay's going to say it. Well, once again, we've come to the end. But stay engaged by visiting www.talkingwitht.com. Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to Talking With T anytime on your time through Blueberry SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Google Music, or iHeartRadio. You can catch the spice twice as nice as we continue to have our Monday show as well as our return back to radio. You can check out Talking With T on Tuesdays by tuning in to 99.7 FM or 1040 AM each Tuesday at 1.30 p.m. In the meantime and in between time, 
Subscribe to Talking with T Daily, your online scoop of trending news to find out what we're talking about. On that note, I'll end with a quote. Make your move in silence. Speak when it's checkmate. Remember where you heard the word. Keep being kind until next time. You've been listening to Talking with T.